now that Bill 6 has passed, despite all the arguing and trying to get some straight answers from the province, we have to move forward. But now we have to really understand Bill 6 and how it impacts farms in our province, from family farms to big industrial farms. A former OHS Crown prosecutor and a current OHS defense lawyer wants to take some of the confusion out of the equation. Christopher Spazoff is founder and lawyer for F2 Legal Counsel, but probably more importantly, he is also a small town farm boy. Thanks so much for joining us, Christopher. Thank you very much for having me. Tell me a little bit about your background, if I've been told that you're a small town farm boy. Uh, you have been told correctly. I actually grew up in the little small town farming community of Hodgeville, Saskatchewan, located just about an hour outside of Swift Current. And so we had both livestock, cattle operations, and of course grain, mustard. We did quite the range of farming operations there. Uh, spent my formative years there and then moved off to Alberta to go to school where of course I pursued my law degree and I'm now practicing as a part of, as you mentioned, F2 Legal Counsel. What did you think of as the debate around Bill 6 started to take on a, a tone that I, don't, I think surprised the province immensely. One of the biggest issues or concerns that I had, recognizing, of course, that emotions were running high throughout uh, and that it was obviously much discussion, much debate involved in the actual uh, background to the bill, there was a lot of discussion with respect to what was happening, what wasn't happening, a lot of misinformation, a lot of miscommunication. One of the things that I took on to very early on, though, is this notion of miscommunication, and that's something that bothered me somewhat because from an OHS standpoint, OHS laws have always applied to unpaid workers, to volunteers. That's just simply how it's always been. And so when we had the initial town hall meetings, um, certain civil servants or representatives from OHS came out and said, well, this is how this is going to apply, and that caused a lot of concern. And so after that happened, we heard, well, that potentially was maybe a miscommunication. But if we go back to the fact that OHS laws have always applied to unpaid workers, to volunteers, and we look at what the farming and ranching exemption really did, all that removing the exemption accomplished was to make the actual laws now apply to farms and ranches. So once the exemption was removed, the OHS laws applied as they always have, which would be to family farms, to brothers, to sisters, to children, etc. From that standpoint, there was never really any miscommunication, in my opinion. It was potentially a mistake in the sense that this law, as drafted, didn't actually cover the government's uh, intention or didn't necessarily resemble the intention of it not to apply that way. Um, it most certainly did based on how it was presented. And so when the OHS officers and personnel were answering questions, they were actually answering them based on that current draft and answering them accurately. And so we had a lot of misinformation that came from that. Well, I want to get into more of that, but more importantly, the reason that we're even talking is you are hoping in January to put together a discussion group or a workshop just so farmers and ranchers are pretty clear on what it means to them when it comes to Bill 6? Right, and I think one of the key concerns that I noticed in attending some of the town hall meetings and some of the discussions was that there was still a lot of miscommunication, a lot of misunderstanding. And questions were being asked that maybe less than accurate or not completely accurate answers were being given to or attempted. And so a lot of folks left those meetings, and I stuck around after several of them and talked with them and tried to flesh out some answers for some of those questions and some of the key areas where there are concerns. And so I quickly realized that 
something like this would be necessary to have a sit-down discussion or a town hall with educated people where we could sit and discuss some of the issues with respect to the application of Bill 6 and how it was actually going to apply and affect family farms and ranches and, uh, as you mentioned earlier, right up to the big industrial settings. Now, I think a lot of the focus was on WCB, and then they came up with the amendments that WCB would only apply to paid non-family members. It wouldn't apply to family farms where members weren't paid. So I think that got a little confusing. Now, I want to, though, talk about OHS, because, as you said, OHS laws... They've always applied to unpaid workers and volunteers. Did I hear that right? That's correct. Um, Now, obviously enough, there's going to be some discretion with respect to when investigators get involved and when they don't. But if you actually look at the legislation, the term in the legislation in the OHS Act is employer and worker. It's not employer and employee. And so that's a very key distinction, meaning if you are engaging someone for the purposes of performing work, in other words, you are employing them, that legislation would apply. And so that's been interpreted to mean, yes, to unpaid labor, to volunteers. That's how it has always been with respect to the OHS laws. So then if an accident happens on a farm, and let's say it's a family farm and no one is receiving a paycheck, but they are working on the farm, are you saying OHS officers should be allowed on that farm to investigate? Because my understanding was that was one of the pitches that the province was saying, the importance of allowing OHS inspectors to investigate farm place tragedies. My understanding would be that under the original draft, before the amendments, under the original draft of Bill 6, that would have been the case. Now with the amendments to Bill 6, exempting family farms unless there is unpaid or unless there are paid workers uh, on site, that would no longer be the case. That investigators could no longer come on. That's correct, given the amendments that are in place. Oh, my goodness. You can see how it can get so confusing. So tell me, though, what the role of occupational health and safety is. And I'm sure it's simple as saying is having safe workplaces. But broaden that out for me for people understanding what OHS is. Well, I think occupational health and safety, as you've explained it, is exactly that. The purpose of an investigation is to come out, and it's really twofold. The first part of the investigation is to try to figure out what happened and to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's really the, the thrust, I suppose, of OHS investigators visiting any work site. But the secondary part, of course, is they are a government agent. They're coming out, and a part of what they're coming out to do is to investigate whether or not there has been a breach of the legislation. And if there has been a breach of the legislation, of course, then the decision will need to be made as to whether or not certain enforcement mechanisms need to be activated, whether that's a penalty, a fine, an order, or something of that nature. Does OHS only get involved in farms when there is an accident? Because I'm asking this... Are they going to farms to make sure prior to any incident happening that certain requirements, regulations are followed? People are a lot, are really concerned that suddenly OHS investigators are going to be coming out to farms and making sure that they are mixing chemicals correctly. Can you tell me a bit more about OHS's role prior to any incidents happening? Sure. And- This is one of those topics that I think there was some miscommunication at several of the information sessions on because I personally have heard things from the extent of, well, OHS can only come out if there's a fatality, to know they can only come out if there's a fatality or a formal complaint, 
And the reality of the situation is, is OHS has much more broader powers than that. They can come out to a site for uh, inspection purposes under Section 8 of the Act, or they can come out and, yes, inspect and see what is happening, see if there are any violations of the Act, etc. Or they can come out following an incident, if it's an incident under Section 18, which is a reportable incident. Section 19 of the legislation actually allows those officers to come out and do their formal investigation and begin that process. That's not just in the case of a fatality. That could be in the case of a hospital stay of more than two days, in the case of an unplanned fire, things of that nature, though they're listed out in Section 18 of the legislation. But there is most certainly the ability for OHS to come out short of a fatality, short of a formal complaint, um, just to do an inspection. That's most certainly a power that is available. It's a power, but you've been at this job for a while, Christopher. Do Alberta farmers and ranchers have to worry that they will be subject to random inspections? I just don't know how, how many OHS inspectors are out there to be driving around country roads, dropping in on farmers and ranchers. I think that's a very good question. I think that, as with anything, there is going to be some discretion. And as things develop, we're going to get a better picture of exactly how this legislation is going to be interpreted and how it is going to be enforced. Now, that being said, you've probably heard about targeted inspections with respect to certain industries, whether it's um, construction or roofing, for example, or sand and gravel. Those have both been the subject of targeted inspections. Is that ability there? It's definitely there. The ability for that to happen is there. It's permissible according to the legislation. Will it actually happen? Of course, that all turns on timing. That all turns on how the regs, the code, etc., the finer points is developed. Um, a lot will go into that type of a decision. But again, there is always going to be some discretion there, right? You know, throughout this, for the last couple of weeks when we've talked about this on my show, I think most farmers and ranchers who have called in have said that they believe in, you know, having safe operations. Is it one thing to say that and another thing to have to prove it to an OHS inspector? Are there certain things that farmers and ranchers can do to make sure that they they stay out of, so to, so to speak, trouble with OHS inspectors? There definitely are, and that's part of the reason why I'm putting on these discussions or workshops, simply because this is a brand new area for a lot of farmers and ranchers, having never been exposed to this type of intervention or this type of attention. Um, their operations are really going to be put under the microscope, and there most definitely are certain things that they can do on a proactive basis to take the steps that they need to take to make sure that when they are put under that microscope, they're stepping forward with the best possible foot forward and making the right impression. I always tell my clients, it's one thing, as you very eloquently put it, it's one thing to say we did everything we could reasonably do to protect these workers, and it's quite another to be able to prove that. And unfortunately, there are a lot of good organizations that do take the steps necessary that they need to take to ensure health and safety of their workers and just simply aren't able to prove it um, when it's necessary to do so. And I'm wondering if that would be proof as in, here I've got this manual, here I'm showing you how often I train my staff. I, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm not the lawyer, but that might help a farmer or rancher in those situations? Without a doubt. I mean, there are going to be some very basic elements of an OHS program that they will need to have immediately. Um, we hear a lot of talk about how, well, the code doesn't apply yet and the regs won't apply yet. It's just the act. But the act itself actually carries with it some very, very broad and onerous sections, um, not the least of which is Section 2 of the Act, which states that 
every employer shall ensure, so far as is reasonably practicable, the health and safety of their workers on that work site. And so that's a very onerous uh, general clause that farmers are now going to be expected to comply with. And there are certain things that they can do in terms of their programs, safety manuals, assessments, those sorts of things that will go towards establishing that they are, in fact, living up to that general duty. So one more time, just so I'm clear, remind me who is going to have to make sure that they are following OHS laws and uh, could be visited by an inspector when it comes to Alberta farms and ranches. Given the amendment that passed along with Bill 6, as it stands, farming and ranching operations that have a paid worker or that employ a paid worker, pay that individual wages, will be subject to the OH&S legislation. If it is a family farming operation whereby the family members fit within the definition of family member as defined in the Act, so a brother, a sister, a child, um, that type of familiar relationship, and there are no paid workers, the Act will not apply to them. Now, that being said, if there is that family relationship there, and there is one paid worker, seasonal or not, the Act will apply. Good clarification. So how can people reach out to you, Christopher, just to stay in the loop when you actually organize these discussion groups? Excellent question. I really want to make these discussion groups and these workshops about the people and about the questions that they have. And so we're looking to bring it to the people as opposed to bringing the people to us. You can check out our site, www.thef2firm.com backslash Bill 6, or simply visit the site and click on the Bill 6 tab. You can find out additional information on these workshops and discussions. And there's also a spot where you can list a question in the event that you have a question that you'd like to have answered at one of these workshops or discussions, and we'll take that into consideration when we're putting together the overall agenda for how they're going to proceed. So the website, the F2, as in the number 2 firm.com, and you can go backslash Bill 6, but I'm sure even just going to that uh, website will be a big help. Christopher, keep us in the loop as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time to chat. Christopher Spazoff, founder and lawyer for F2 Legal Counsel. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.